Welcome to my podcast, Today's Dream, Tomorrow's Reality. My name is Vicki Poole. I'm a life coach, health coach, and a hypnotist with the Enlightened Peach. And this, this podcast is all about embracing our mosaic life. And some of you may ask, what is a mosaic life? Well, it's recognizing that all the pieces of our life, the good, the bad, the indifferent, have all come together to make us who we are. Change any one thing and we are different. With that in mind, I invite you to embrace your perceived imperfections and celebrate who you are. This podcast is unedited and raw, just like life. I am your host, and I have a special guest today. I will introduce to you in just a moment. But if you have any ahas or appreciations, questions, please leave a comment or a voice message and remember to like, subscribe, and share. So now let's get started. So this beautiful, wonderful lady right here that I, I haven't known her for very long, but uh, I have enjoyed getting to know her. And her name is Megan Mayenza. Ah, I got it. <laughs> Um, and um, she and I are both in um, a program together. My, my light looks off, so let me see. Is that better? Hmm, I don't know. But anyway, I think that might be a little too bright. Um, we are in a program together, and um, and so we've kind of interacted a good bit and had Zoom calls just to work on things as coaches. And she is actually a vegan coach, correct? Correct. Yes. And I see on her page a lot of times she's doing workouts, she's doing all kinds of things. So she has a lot to offer us. And I just kind of want to ask, how did you really get started in this coaching space and getting into the vegan space? And what kind of, how did that start for you? Yeah. So hello, everybody. Um, Basically, like with everything, one thing kind of tumbled into the next and snowballed into what my life is right now. Um, I would say the very beginning um, had to do with like my career path in college, where I had originally wanted to do something with sports, something I love soccer. Um, so I always wanted to be an athletic trainer. Um, however, there was basically an anatomy and biology um, class that I didn't get along with the way the teacher taught. Um, I know I'm a good student when I'm given the right tools to learn from the teacher. Um, and I was too late to withdraw from that class and it kind of made me take a step back in my career path. So instead of doing athletic training, I actually kind of pivoted to physical education and health um, with a teaching certification. I've always loved um, teaching and being able to help a person get to that aha moment where they are able to do it themselves and to see like that radical confidence in themselves bloom at that very moment when it kind of clicks mm -hmm. almost like when like a math formula finally like works in your head after I, know. Like, I remember many times in algebra and and stuff yep. all of a sudden I would think oh now I got it 
Yeah. <laughs> and it's always so exciting when you, yes. when you get it. So I mm-hmm. love, um, I've always been in the teaching atmosphere. I mean, obviously I've been a student myself, so you're always a student in life and I've always loved learning. And then I've, it kind of just led into that. Now, interestingly enough, going back on the anatomy and biology to prove that I am smart, um, I took that same course the following semester and instead of failing with the, pre- the teacher previous, I got a 98% A in my college like class. So it was really truly the tools that were given to me that were more visual, more audio, more hands-on and less just like words on a paper. Um, right. And so that was even in itself a learning lesson of my yeah. life, knowing that, and through my college experience of becoming a physical education teacher, um, kids, people, we all learn differently. Um, So that's been very helpful in later on in my life and other parts where it's coincided with my fitness career. Because basically going from physical education as a teacher to now turning it into personal training, I was basically looking for a job and wasn't able to like get into the career system or the school system um, because they were definitely hiring within at the moment. And I just wasn't able to snag the the job opportunities. Um, So kind of thinking on my feet, using what I had learned and it was, just before COVID, it was 2019 that I decided to move out of Jersey to Massachusetts and kind of like start a new life type thing. Reinvent yourself. Exactly. And it was extremely, it was a great pivot turning point as well as helpful in knowledge of using the information I got from my personal training certification with my physical education um, background. So it was kind of just hand in hand type thing. And then I was focusing on my own journey that I kind of set aside because I was so focused on college or high school. Um, I kind of basically focused, had a focus of that on my life because that was my life. My life was a student. And then once- So I got a question mm-hmm. for you, if you don't mind. So when you were really young, was the, did your family do a lot of physical activities and everything? And that's kind of how you- got into that to begin with that it was a family thing nope um actually kind of like the opposite happened um I actually lost my mom at a very young age just how old were you just before turning 13 okay um so before I was ever considered a woman and all those questions and all those things like I even consider my I was still like a brat. I was still just a child, like still angry at her mom for no reason. And just like throwing tantrums and being rude and all those little things that, you know, when you're able to grow up with your mom, you're able to like, if not apologize, just like be able to see how that was just a moment in your life. And you just weren't able to become best friends with your mom just yet. Um, So I was I never got that point. Um, So basically, she passed away um, from cancer. And a big part of, I believe, her cancer growing was her her constant want of perfection and her stress that she built upon herself to be this amazing mother um, that I could 
could never see as a child, but looking back on all the amazing things she did to like uphold the family um, with all like the little things that happen in family life. And, you know, me and my brother both grew up in this environment of an Irish Catholic mother and an Italian um fun loving dad um but there was so like she that was the disciplinarian i'm imagining yes. good, good, good cop bad cop type thing yeah. but she held down the fort so you know we always always will love her um but there are of course those like disciplinary actions that kind of kind of left you know some marks on us and shaped us who we were which definitely gave me the determination and the discipline that I needed to move forward with everything that was going on. But because of everything that was going on at such a young age, I definitely pushed down the feelings and focused on my high school, focused on my schooling, focused on anything that wasn't my feelings. Right. So I was going to ask, how mm -hmm. did you deal with those feelings? So you just didn't I did while. it for a very, very long time, yeah. multiple times, even in my high school that um, I went to a private Catholic school, um, the one that my mom wanted me to go to. And I was really happy to go to anyway. It was a great community. And the people, the teachers there truly cared like individually of the, the kids um, because it was such a more closed uh amount of people within the actual school so they even created this program that had maybe three of us that were girls who lost their moms um in high school essentially so they definitely tried to like get through me to yeah. therapize me to get me to speak of my feelings but i was so resistant in that stage still um I was just focused on my my schoolwork. I was focused on everything other than that situation because there was also just little things that were going on with my family that I didn't agree with. Um, and so basically I was trying to just do it all myself, be independent as best as I could and tell the world, like, you don't have to worry about me. Like, I'm, I got this. Like, I'm still doing good in school. I had my grades up and everything. Like, it's like, I'm, I got this. Um, so I, I did that until the end of like, college, there were little things that definitely showed me lessons that I would have really appreciated a held hand of like, walk me through this type thing. Um, and when it was needed, the right people stepped up and helped me through um, almost simple things, but it just kind of, it built through like social anxieties of just not having that mothering figure to walk you through a bank account, walk you through yeah. credit, credit score stuff, walk you through the gynecologist, like all these little things that kind of go over our head until it's like time to do those things, like make a dentist appointment, this, that, and the other thing. Not to say, also, I want to just put it in there. My dad was involved in my life. Um, but it's, but it's, it's different. A dad it's and a mom, very different. Totally different. And yeah. in it's not even a defensive thing. It's just the reality. He had to go through this in his own way. And he could not go through this in this life alone. So there is a big part of his um, very beginning stages of just like he was <laughs> upset, like he could he lost his person. And um, he met someone who went through a similar, a very similar situation of losing her partner to cancer. Um, 
So they connected really, really well, rather early in in some people's eyes, um, where them them two who are now married um, really thought like they were bringing them together. You know, they thought that somebody up above like was watching over them and knew that neither of them could push forward much longer without the other half, in a sense. Yeah. Um, and I believe that for them because that's keeping them happy and kept them moving on with their life as well. Right. So yeah. there's a big part of the beginning, me in high school, me in college, um, he was around and was very supportive and stuff, but he was also doing his own thing. And yeah, had, trying, had another section of life. Trying to deal with it himself. Yeah. 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 Well, if it's okay to share... Um, my, um, my daughter, um, her father passed away when she was seven mm -hmm. and, um, you know, I, and, you know, and I had a bit of a time dealing with it myself. And the thing that was interesting was, you know, she had to, we, we uh, well, she didn't have to, but I put her into like some grief counseling and everything. And one of the things the counselor told me was that at different stages of life, you can things all it's almost like even though you dealt like she dealt with it at seven as best she can as a seven-year-old so then a few years later her ability to understand things would change and she'd have to deal with it all over again and then she'd have to do it all over again and then if some momentous occasion happened like graduating from high school graduating from college getting married all these different things where you expect that parent to be there, it would all rear its head again. Yeah. I will say she's now, she was, she was seven when he passed and she's 29. And to this day, she still gets exceptionally moody at the anniversary of his death. And mm -hmm. when she was little, she didn't even remember the anniversary of his death, but her body did, which was very interesting because she would get exceptionally moody. Um, she would get very hard to deal with, like just a few days before and a few days after. It's like she had this week span that she was overly emotional, overly obstinate, you know, hard to deal with. And so I'm just curious with you, you were a little bit older than her. So your ability to understand it was at a different level. But did you find yourself doing something similar where, you know, when the anniversary of your mom's death would come around or her birthday or different things that happened in your life that you wanted your mom, like the bank account or, you know, starting your period and all those different things. Did you get some of those same kind of things that my daughter did? Yeah, absolutely. It's hard. It's hard not to. Yeah. Um, no matter the relationship with that parent, good, bad, however you want to see it as negligent, um, there's, you're, you're connected to that person, whether they're there or not. And that, that your body, yeah, your body's like, was connected yeah, to yeah. that. It, was, it always amazed me mm -hmm. that her body knew when she was too young to know that, that mm -hmm. that's what had happened, you know? Um, it, so it, to me, it's, it's amazing that just really solidifies when trauma or different things happen to you, no matter what age you are, it has this lasting effect that, um, your body, what is it that one book is your body keeps score. Isn't that what it's called? Um, yeah. so kind of like that, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so it's, it's very intriguing. I totally agree. Yeah. Um, 
just to bring it back to how full circle of how her death got me to focus on health right it's Mm -hmm. kind of one of those things I mean she got cancer from specifically um what they say is a smoking uh, cigarettes, which was big back then. And it was, she was doing it since she, she was a kid. Um, But it was those habits. Plus I believe the, the stress that she put on herself because I've had multiple conversations with my dad and she, he just mentioned that she was, she never felt good enough and like that she could always be doing more um, and little things like that. And she was, is amazing just before she passed she actually got a promotion in her job she scaled up her department of defense for the military um job from secretary of like the lowest standards to like going all the way up without um like a college degree or anything back then she just started as secretary and just like climbed the ladder with that's wow that she got just by working there for years um and dedicating herself to to her her job um so that's an inspiration in itself, like that she was always striving for more. Um, even when it was like a while in her career, she still felt like she could do more. And that was really um, inspiring because I, I, I specifically remember us basically celebrating her, her promotion before she was like quickly in the, ho- it was a quick like she was in the hospital, they found it out through, we thought it was just pneumonia and then it, they found other things. And then it was bad for a week and then she got better and she was home for a week and then it was real bad and she was gone. Like mm. it was hard to even like, especially with that when she came back, um, it was kind of one of those like heart skipping moments. Like, oh, it's over. Like it's, we can yeah. relax now. It's going to be fine now. Yeah. 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 Or like, this is just going to be something she has to, you know, live with for, for some years and stuff, but it, it'll keep, keep pushing on. Um, and that didn't happen. Yeah. Um, so it definitely pushed me in a, my path to understand the delicateness, the fragility of life and how important and impactful it is through not not the person as them, but the people they touch. Mm-hmm. Um, and that like the little things that are remembered um, and what things are remembered by the person and like the good things, the not so good things and what was touching and stuff. And I'm also looking at it as a very young child who was only really forming memories that actually held in my brain were the ones that I upset my mother and she would like (laughs) discipline me. And those are the ones I remembered. So when you mentioned about like um, keeping the score or feeling feelings later on, um, it took me a while to come to terms of, I always remembered quote unquote bad times. Um, I could hardly remember fun times and it really hurt me that I couldn't remember the good things about her, but I also didn't have the same amount of time to learn about her as a person. You know, mm-hmm. there's a, there's a point in time where like, m- like a parent and kid, when the kid gets old enough, there's this like boundary that kind of like crumbles a little bit where you can have a, an adult quote unquote conversation and like really ask about 
what your parent did as a person or as like a a child themselves growing up and the decisions they made and the not so good decisions and the ones that you can truly learn from because you're now at this level where oh, I can grab a drink with you and we can finally sit back and relax and not just scream at each other because yeah. you're trying to get me to go to bed early. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> something, something super simple. Um, so I do feel, uh, what's the word? I feel like I was robbed of a lot of life lessons um, that would just teach me about her as a person that I yeah. feel like everybody you know, her family, her, her sisters, her brothers have all seen this amazing person. And I can only see her up till 12 year old Megan, where 12 year old Megan didn't really want to hang out with her mom. So (laughs) just like a little upset at that every, every once in a while. Um, and to the point that you were mentioning of like, I was 13 and was able to process things a little better. I still I mean, I was still a kid, honestly, there, uh, this image is like burned in my brain. But um, while she was, while we were at the ceremony of her wake, um, and she was in the open casket, um, I was in the kid room with my friends playing, playing with them. Cause I mm-hmm. couldn't, I could, my kid brain couldn't process yeah, what yeah. was happening. So yeah. I remember that. And it's like upsetting. <laughs> yeah. That yeah. like she didn't know. Like little little Megan didn't know. Um so that's always been a memory that's been yeah hard. I know it doesn't help any, but you know, my daughter was seven and yeah. when I told her that her father had passed. She cried for just a minute and then she looked at me and she said, um, can I, can I still go spend the night with her friend? And I said, sure. So she went and spent the night. And then while they were, her and her friend were playing, her friend was Tori, if I'm remembering right. Yeah. Tori. Um, and Tori's dad was sitting and watching TV in the living room and she ran through the living room and ran over and jumped in his lap and he was watching TV and she just looked at him and she said, you know, my dad, my daddy died today. And he said, yeah, I'm sorry, sweetie. And she says, okay. And then she got up and went and played, um, you know, so she was very just, um, disassociated yeah disassociated with it or i think in some ways at that age you you don't even comprehend because you just think that that's not a permanent thing or whatever you know um and then um she would um when it came time for the funeral she didn't even want to go yeah you know and she did a lot like you at the funeral home she just went and played with the kids you know, because that's what kids do. They, hell, they don't want to be in there with all that pent up emotion, you know, and everything. Um, And so she chose not to go. And to this day, she will not go to a funeral. She, you know, it still really gets to her. And when he first passed away, she wanted to celebrate his birthday with a birthday cake and balloons. We had to take them to the, um, to the cemetery. And, you know, there was all these different things that she did 
to process things. And sometimes I thought, does she even really realize, you know, but, you know, let's, we'll do it. So that's what we did, you know? Um, so it's, you know, it's very normal when all that, because when you think about it as an adult, it can be so overwhelming with all of these people there with all of their emotions and then your emotions. And it can, it can just be so heavy. It can just zap all your energy and, you know, and everything. So I can imagine as a kid, um, feeling that way and not being able to be part of all of that. Yeah. I'm very thankful in the adults that allowed me to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I have seen people that made children go and, um, look at the casket or go and touch them or kiss them or, you know, all kinds of crazy stuff. And I'm thinking, holy shit, you know, <laughs> you know, it's just kids know what they need at that time. Yeah. 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 So what do you do, you know, since, since that, and it's, it's still, um, um, a very strong emotion. And I will tell you that when I start talking about her father and the day that he died, I was talking with somebody earlier today about it and I'm boohooing and crying, you know, and it's been um, quite a few years since he passed away. It's 22 years and it's, it still gets me right here, you know? Um, and there's times that he's in my mind all day long. Um, and that I see here it comes again <laughs> and it feels like, you know, he's with me sometimes. Um, and I will say for me, I, I haven't lost a parent in that way. I'm, my father's gone, but I was an adult when that happened. But the, the thing is sometimes it's like, it, it, it feels like they're right here with you. Mm. Do you ever feel that with you about your mom? I don't. Honestly. No, I don't. Um, I get that a lot from my dad. Um, he's very spiritual. Um, and always talking to somebody. Um, and very positive in that that light and such. Um, but I honestly, I think my brain has been just so conditioned to be in reality, where not to say that the feelings that you're feeling aren't reality, but like societal reality. Like I'm mm -hmm. just so focused on the next thing of my life. And I have been since that situation because it's kind of a form of distraction. It's the way you I, cope. It's the way I cope. It's, it's yeah, it's the next thing that's going to impact me. Um, I've gone through quite a few um person not person personalities but also like mantras where through the situation and my coping mechanisms of them have like changed um for example in the past in high school I was a very angry person um for mix of reasons um a big one just like not probably understanding how to express my emotions um properly and I would get loud very easily, to very uh, quick-tempered and things like that. I was always calling myself a realist and um, almost like a pessimist to the point where it's like 
I shut things down because it's just like, well, the reality is this and like Mm -hmm. would never even entertain possibilities or dreams and goals and stuff because I was just like, my brain was so fucked, so, so stuck in the, um, the system of high school. So I was just like, okay, if I just follow the directions do this, I can get an A and move on. And it was so easy um, in that way of, I understand what I have to do. They put it like straight down what I had, like it was Mm. like my schedule, it was my life, it was my routine. Coming out of high school, things got scary because there was no roadmap for myself. I had to figure it out and make it my own and no one really taught me that because they just give it to you and they're like here this is your life for the next four years you're going (laughs) exactly so coming out of that that's when I mentioned in the past that like certain people stepped up for me to really handheld me because there were moments where I wasn't going to go to college because my anxiety was stopping me from uh putting in applications and stopping me from then I and I made my life so, so easy. And a lot of the reasons was to be close to home, to be where I'm used to things. Like my aunt wanted me to like travel and go to like this college that was like five, five hours away from where I'm like living and stuff. And I'm like, I, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be away from home. I got that. This is my home. Um, and I want to uproot it and go to this college full of kids that I don't know. And just mm-hmm. like, that didn't feel right to me. Um, so even though we went all these college excursions for her, for her, like <laughs> to make her happy, you yeah. know, deep down in my heart, I kept telling her like, I don't want to go, but here, let's go. You don't know. You'll go, you'll go try it out. I'm like, yeah, yeah, so she, she was go. just, she was damn determined that, or she thought that if she showed you enough, yeah. you would fall in love with it and decide a different decision. Yeah. Yeah. And she did a couple of those things throughout, again, this process of wanting to be a motherly figure and help me through things that, but she, she never had children herself. There's just little things that like, I can see, I'm, I can see what you're doing, but I truly, I can't accept it right now. Like there's a barrier here and like, I just don't want it. Like, I don't want that type of love right here. So there was a lot of like little things like that, that she did her best to just show her, her love. And I accepted it as best I could to like, you know, be that, that goddaughter, the, you know, the, the niece, the the nice niece to, (laughs) to play along and stuff. Um, But eventually I went to my community college um but almost not getting in there because I didn't take that next extra step of like going to a counselor and actually checking off my my classes because that had me meet new meet some some new person I don't know and that really stopped me then it followed me over to my four-year school where there was another when it when it was a gap between I had to create my schedule somehow by reaching out to somebody and doing the whole like application situation a resistance in me just like would stop me and would self-sabotage me to the point where like I I almost didn't get into that four-year college although that transition was a little bit easier because I had the help of my guidance counselor from the community college that was with me till day one essentially because I would always reach out to her as my my person to ask questions right then it came to um 
just before graduating my college, my four-year college with my certification in teaching and all these things and making these great relationships with these teachers that I, I did make great relationships with, but then going to the end of, I didn't do a certain thing that had me like reach out to the town and I had to do something with an application to become certified as a teacher to the town and just these little like governmental things that I had to do that whenever it comes to government like taxes and stuff I get so scared (laughs) um (laughs) to the point where I avoid it and procrastinate where it's not good I sabotage myself in just doing the 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 order of operations that I'm supposed to do. Mm -hmm. Um, But thankfully I had an amazing teacher find a district that didn't, um, didn't um, require a certain thing that I didn't do and was able to get me into my um, teaching observation thing that I had to get done to graduate with my thing, my grades and everything else was was great like there was no reason for me not to to do this thing it was just that that unknown process that when it comes to unknown things I still I can sabotage myself so that's always been also something I've worked through and definitely lead it back to the trauma of just like not having that helping hand and almost to the point of like not knowing how to ask for help properly mm-hmm. Um, So there's been certain things like that. So how that's also then um, played into now my career of a personal trainer, um, both in person and online has these lessons that you like look back on are just so impactful. And it's Mm -hmm. just like, wow, I can pinpoint exactly where I learned this lesson to give me the skills that I need for right here, right now, whether it's communication skills, like asking for help or asking and um, advocating for myself and speaking up for myself when I don't feel like something's right. Um, And those little things that make the biggest difference in just your, your life experience. Mm -hmm. Um, and overall health, um, like little habits, like what a certain habit that I thought was nutritional, I thought it was all based on my food. I thought it was the food that I was having trouble with. When actuality, it really wasn't the food at at all. It never was about the food. It was about my trauma. It was about Mm -hmm. me trying to escape from a certain thing into food. It was me trying to find control with my food because I couldn't find control other other areas of my life. And just the overlapping understanding of how life experiences um, shape a person and then how they choose to um, overcome certain obstacles create the path of their health, of their situation, and of their future. Um, So I've gone through quite a few, like, just, like, blossomings um, Mm -hmm. over time of finally, because we're all, I believe, going through the same lessons in different ways until something inside of you, something you consciously are, like, bam, okay, it didn't, it didn't hit me the 500 times before it smacked me in the face. But Mm -hmm. this time, whatever really like split the tie from a certain um, relationship or whatever big event that made that like catastrophic (laughs) 
impact on your mentality and your mindset like it whether it was the right words and the right person and all these little things that allowed you to take a step forward where you thought you could never be there showed me how personal training how fitness and nutrition is only the littlest aspect of the mindset and self-love that is needed to truly get you where you want to be in your life and in your goals. So I was able to take all these things, put them together, and then pursue my online personal training career to encompass all of those things that I don't find out there in the real world with other trainers. Because everybody's so focused on the aesthetic. Everyone's so focused on the fad diets. Everyone's mm-hmm. so focused on the the results. And the biggest thing that we're forgetting is like, who are you as a person and where did you come from? And how is that shaping you through your habits to get you where you want to be? And are you doing the things that get you where you want to be? And let's focus on that. And then as time comes along, I'll teach you about how to properly fuel your body and how to move your body properly. Because Honestly, the fitness aspect, I can show you how to create an hourglass physique and get a booty and get abs and all this stuff. But no matter what your body starts shaping itself into, if you don't actually like the soul within the body, the body doesn't matter. And Mm -hmm. I've learned this through my own experience of constantly covering up my body because I still feel insecure about certain things even though someone from the outside might be like your body looks perfect why would you ever hide it and it's like well I don't first of all I don't want to be looked at as just a body right Mm -hmm. I want to be looked at as more than a body so I'd rather have someone come up to me because they're interested in the words that I say and the interests that I have and the ones that we connect with rather than just looking at the shape of my body and just solely making a judgment from there. Yeah, absolutely. So that's another, you know, there's still parts of me that are still stuck in me where I'm like, still, you know, I have, I like how I look now. And there is a bigger confidence in that, but I know deep, deep down that it's, it's so shallow that it doesn't matter. If my body looks a certain way, but doesn't even function properly, if I'm unable to go for a walk or walk up my stairs while doing my one trip wonder um, of the groceries, because that's the reason why I'm getting strong. Cause I swear <laughs> I'm always building up like at least 20, 30 pounds in grocery bags. Yes. I have three flights to walk up. Like this is why I'm being str- like going to work out and lifting heavy weights. It's like the looking good, quote unquote good, is like a secondary thing that just happens to happen because the body is meant to do that. You know, the body right. is meant to to look at that shape. It's just whether or not you're you're moving it properly. If you move it properly, if you train it properly, it will look the way you wanted always you your dream body to look. Um, because really what's what you're dreaming for is to wake up and not feel joint pain and be in your 50s plus and be able to go sit on a three-hour plane ride without a stiff back because you want to go travel parts of the world and not let these quote-unquote old age symptoms um, stop you. And even those old age symptoms are all marketing and societal and yeah 
the broken health system keeping you in the system and never figuring out the root cause and always treating the symptoms. And I mean, you know, this probably Mm -hmm. we all know. Yeah. And the thing to me, that's important to remember for is, you know, when the commercials are on and all those different things, anybody that's over a certain age, they're always showing them decrepit. They're always showing them as far as this is the medicines that they're on and everything. And it's, if you look for it, you can find people that are doing extraordinary things at an older age. And so I had, you know, I'm a hairstylist too. So I have clients that come in and sit in my chair and I have for years. And as they get a little bit older, they'll say, well, you know, getting old ain't for sissies. You know, now that I'm this age, that's why this hurts. Now that I'm this age, that's, and you know, and Um, And it's like, it's mind boggling. And I can try to talk to them and say, you know, that if it was old age, every old person would be just like this. And that's not the truth. And they will fight you on it sometimes, you know, it's like, I don't know if it's that it makes them feel better that they let themselves go and that this is their lot in life. It's not their fault. It's old age, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, But I'm 60. I just turned 64 and uh, yeah, on September 10th. So I just had a birthday. Yeah. 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 So, um, and the thing for me is whatever I have to do to stay, limber and healthy and everything. So I walk every day, you know, two to four miles, you know, and, you know, sometimes more, sometimes a little bit less, depending on time. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, you know, I'm all the time going up and down steps. And one of the things I haven't been doing, which I'm, I'm wanting to get back into is some of the weightlifting and everything. I haven't done that in a long time. And part of it's because to me, I love the walking because I can put on my clothes, put on my shoes and I can walk out of the house and I'm there, you know? So it takes so much less time to get that kind of fitness. And I'm always pushing myself in some way. Like I'll, I'll just share real quick if it's okay. I had this place. I've, I've been a yo-yo dieter my entire life. And so I would get really heavy. Then I would lose the weight and I'd get really heavy. And there was this one time I, um, I went to my sister's house. We had taken, my daughter was um, going to school and we were meeting at my sister's house and she was going to ride the bus with my niece. And then later my sister was showing these pictures because it was when my niece first started school, her first bus ride, right? And when I saw these pictures, I said, who is that? And she said, what do you mean? I said, who is that in the picture? And because it was like their side, their back and everything. And I couldn't see their face. And she said, what in the hell is wrong with you? That's you. I said, holy shit, that's me. I said, that's horrible. And she said, oh, it's just the way you're standing. I said, if I can stand any way on earth and look like that, there is a big problem. And I said, so today it's changing. And um, I knew me enough to know that uh, most of the time I would start a diet and then I would give up, you know, or I would think I hit close to my goal and then I'd go back to eating the same old way. So I decided I had to do something different. So I went and I saw this little ad in a paper for a a marathon, half marathon. And I thought, 
that's, I think that's what I'll do. I'll sign up for a half marathon. Now, granted, at, when I first started, I couldn't walk to my sister's mailbox um, and go further. I had to just walk to the mailbox and back. So I go to this meeting for this half marathon and, and they're up there and they're talking and they're explaining the process of how everything is going to go and how many days we'll be training and all this stuff. And then they said it was 13.3 miles or 13.2, whatever it is. And I looked around at all these people like, do they know that it's that's that far? I had no idea that it was that far. And all of a sudden in my mind, I was thinking, okay, the day of it, all I have to do is finish. It doesn't matter how long it takes me. And they may be up and, you know, the walk starts at like 4 a.m. Um, and I said, they might be out there with a little lantern at the end of the day saying, we still got one out there, but I was going to finish. Um, and I did. It took me four hours to, to I did a walk instead of a run and uh, because I was still quite heavy. And but I trained and by the end on Sundays, every Sunday, I was walking 13 miles. And so I really started dropping the weight, you know, when it came to that. Um, but it, it's just like, it's so interesting. Like with my clients, I tell them, you know, the goal is not to have the skinniest casket in the cemetery. The goal is to get as healthy as possible right now and live your life. So if you don't have this stick figure, like you see on TV or in these, commercials and magazines and everything that's okay that's not your body and mm -hmm. it's helping your clients to realize that sometimes they have got this vision of what they think they're supposed to be and their body won't even do it mm -hmm. do you find yeah. that as well yeah absolutely I mean even the the way you went about it is something is a way that the majority of women go about it you start off with something you know, which is walking, um, or the quote-unquote simplest, which is walking slash running. Um, and although that's great, um, coupled with yo-yo dieting, um, it's not the best for your body, um, especially for the goals that that person is trying to reach. It is well, not. I can say for me, I still gained it all back and more. And right. so that's when I went into health coaching because it's like, I'm so friggin' tired of doing this repeat thing. Right. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's so interesting that even you signed up for the half marathon, not even knowing how long it was going to go, but <laughs> yeah. that half marathon, that 5k, that like run for, for this, um, donation thing for these funds and stuff or run for a beer at at the end of it, that's the one that gets everybody. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it always amazes me too. <laughs> yeah, it's so, I, I think, part of the yo-yo dieting marketing. It's so, it's so simple. Anyone can do it. And they're putting exercise coupled with like something that's not going to get you to your goals necessarily, but it, it is going to get you moving. And that is what your, your goal was really mm -hmm. to just like, get it going, like start a plan, show that you're going to be disciplined to it, become disciplined to it. And then like, that is, that's what's really happening is you creating those habits and putting your foot down finally and um, setting a promise to yourself and keeping that promise and building self-efficacy. -eff 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 
Yes. Thank you. (laughs) Self-efficacy that actually gets you to your goals, which again is phenomenal in the grand scheme of things, because if you've done it before for something like a 5k or half marathon, like I've never done that. And I don't think I ever will um, because of how long it is. Um, But if you're able to discipline yourself to do something that was that challenging, especially at that time of your life, I usually talk with people who have done those things and I'm just like, that means you can put your focus and discipline and determination into something and a plan and strategy that will actually get you to your goals as well as teach you how to heal your metabolism from your yo-yo dieting that you've done all these years and be able to do all these things while not ever giving up carbohydrates or snacking or even that weekly like drink with your friends like not demonizing any part of your lifestyle definitely like you mentioned we're not here to get skinny we're here to be healthy and to experience life and Mm -hmm. I'm about you but my life my life includes alcohol you know on Saturday night when I'm partying with my friends (laughs) um (laughs) obviously responsibly and not to the point where I'm blackout drunk every week like there's of course moderation and that word itself people don't even understand it anymore right um, it's been thrown around so much exactly yeah Yeah. even the word diet like that word All it means is like what you consume. And by consumption, it doesn't even have to be food. Your diet can be what you consume through your eyeballs and through what you listen to and what you consume with the people around you and your environment um, and your food. But everyone, Mm -hmm. people think of diet, they hear that word and they think negative. They think red light, like they think you're eating rabbit food like that's the only things that we think about because it's been manipulated by the marketing system and the broken health system quote-unquote health um and even like the schooling system like I didn't learn any of my things in high school and the only reason I learned it in college was because it was specifically my college courses but other people in college are still not learning how to properly feed themselves. You know, they're the ones eating ramen noodles as like a dinner. Um, well, when you think about it, the doctors that graduate yeah. and take care of a uh, health and everything, they only get a very short, short period of time that they even discuss any nutrition at all. So their whole purpose is to figure out what's wrong with you and medicate it. You know, that's, that's all it is. And, and, you know, the, the, the thing too, is like, one of the things I make sure with my clients is I don't, and I I fought doing the weight and the, um, the losing weight and all that stuff for a very long time, because I didn't want to have people in my, in my coaching that were going for a goal of lose weight for this event. Because I knew once the event was over, then they would revert back to all their stuff, which is exactly what I did with the marathon, half marathon. As soon as that half marathon was over, I did a little bit of walking, but not at the same level because I didn't have that goal that I was going for. And so, you know, I recognized that and started realizing, holy shit, you know, this is just a different level of doing this yo-yo thing. Um, and that's when I started, you know, the, the, uh, I've got to make a change because I can't keep 
doing this anymore. And especially when I would see people, you know, that were getting older and they were on walkers, they were on oxygen, they were on all these things. And when, as you start getting a little bit older, you start thinking, holy shit, if I don't do something different, that's me. And yeah. I did not want that at all. And I would say, I'm trying to remember when I did that half marathon, I was probably in my late forties um, when I did that. And, mm -hmm. you know, and I did fine with it. And um, I mean, I've, and I, I think I could probably do it now, but it's just like, that's not my, my goal. That is because that takes, not only is it exhausting at the end, it's rewarding, but it's exhausting. But I, I was thinking about the exorbitant amount of time that I spent every single day with going at that level. Um, and that's when I worry about people that go to the gym and they're for hours and hours and hours. And I'm thinking, how long do you not have another job? Do you not have a family? You know, how do you have the time to go to the gym for three hours and work out? You know, I, I just I cannot fathom that. But maybe if I didn't have the coaching and the day job and, you know, all that, maybe. But, you know, it's like that doesn't feel like fun to me. To you, to me, to me, it does ah. not, you know, you um, um, just to, to, sorry to interrupt. Yeah, that's but, okay. Um, when you mention about like walking is so easy, all I have to do is put on some, you know, casual wear and out, out I go and I can walk for two to four miles and it doesn't seem like it takes up a long time of my routine. Um, and I really wanted to challenge you on that because- okay. The same amount of time that it would take for you to just go for a walk, which seems so easy to you just because it's something that you know, um, mm -hmm. and that's something that you're now habituated. I mean, you've done 13.1 miles, like yeah, walking, yeah. walking's a breeze for you. Um, <laughs> I know how to walk. <laughs> exactly. Which is great. Keep doing it. Um, but to challenge you in the same amount of time that you would take that you know, walk, you could do a 30 minute, a 20 minute, a 10 minute weight resistance workout through body weight doesn't have to be literal weights and achieve a different type of goal or um, result from mm -hmm. that type of movement. And I do want to make sure that I teach strength training for the longevity purpose of your joints, your bones, your just movement abilities, mobilities, flexibilities. Um, and the biggest, that's like the big reason why I teach it, not to ever disregard the power of walking. Walking is the one movement that humans were meant to do. And I'm speaking walking, not running, not mom power walking, um, like leisurely walking. Um, there's like, a bunch of studies and stuff like when we're in the car going at like 80 miles per hour like our brain can hardly process what's happening outside of that because at 80 miles per hour is not what our brain was meant to intake all of that information like at 80 no we're meant to take it at like 1.5 miles per hour where we're just <laughs> chilling and like oh look at that tree Oh, it's still there. <laughs> like you didn't just like zoom past it and like try to be like, what color was the tree? What were the leaves? How many, le like those little things like make a big 
um, impact and like just how we process things and stuff. So it just then takes a step back into people using their um, different types of exercise. Of course, I always meet the person where they're at. And if walking is going to be the movement that's going to get you up and going and is challenging for your body where it is right now, let's go for a walk. It's not like make your heart rate go to 160 um, beats per minute or anything like because you're not ready for that. So it's definitely also a big understanding of meet the person where they're at and properly challenge them to progressively overload week by week, workout by workout to create the changes that they want without basically using or creating um a feeling of distaste or um, hate, honestly, because yeah, so in- something they won't continue, right? Because yeah. I mean, many of the women I speak with are moms and are th- because moms they're older and have gone through generations of exer equals punishment, exercise equals punishment, exercise equals you only do this because you're currently not at the body you want to be at. Like no one sees it as this is a this is a lifestyle this is to keep you healthy and this is a forever thing like every single person should be exercising again the exercise itself should be something that makes you want to do it because that's the only thing that's gonna make you continue um but like walking's not for me but when it comes time to go to the gym it's like that just I don't know if it's just the um, the atmosphere at the gym. I don't I think know. Knowledge. Maybe. A maybe. lot of the time we don't do the things we don't know. Like right. my whole stories on every little stepping point that stopped me from going was I didn't know how to do it. Yeah. So a lot well, of people. I did have a trainer about. one time and I think I kind of got a little burned on that because he actually had me doing some exercises and I ended up pulling some rib um, some muscles in my rib cage, and then I couldn't even roll over in the bed, you know, so it was you pretty intense. Trauma. Yeah. Trauma, like, yeah. And so I get kind of, you know, like certain things, like if it pulls just a little bit, cause I told him, you know, that's a little uncomfortable. And he said, just work through it, just work through it. And I said, well, that hurts. And he said, work through it. I did. Um, and then I woke up in the middle of the night and could not get out of bed. Um, you know, and ended up having to call somebody to come and help me so I could go to the doctor and all that stuff. So, you know, I get a little, I guess I get a, I'm a little freaked out with some of that stuff. And so I'll do when I get there, I can do what I know, but I don't trust the, um, that it's going to be okay if somebody's helping me. Do you know what I mean? I know what you mean. Yeah. And I'm sorry you experienced that. And so many people have experienced, have, have had a bad experience. Yeah. With, uh, either a trainer that has pushed them too hard, a gym teacher that has just made, put a sour taste in their mouth about anything that has to do with um working out or even like, again, back into marketing and like not looking at the workout as something for longevity purposes and for the bigger reason behind keeping your joints healthy, your heart healthy and things like that. And yeah, if you're not, if you don't have the knowledge as well as like the recovery knowledge to 
be able to do other movements that allow you to still target other areas of your body that don't target that injury prone spot. Um, it's easier to do nothing. It's easier to go back to doing the things you, you know, um, and that are quote unquote easy for you. Um, but the body truly needs a challenge or at least, you know, maintenance is one thing. Um, but a lot of the times when it comes to, as we're getting older, you naturally like start moving less, slow down less, eat more, um, you know, have more of a social circle when you're older. So then you have more and more time with the lack of like, maybe you're retired or something like that, or you're making your own hours and things like that. So there's also these other life area points in your, your journey that will impact how your body reacts to what you're doing to mm-hmm. your habits and if your habit starts to die down on either walking then your body that's if that's all the, the thing that your body has been you know using as movement and as um exercise if we slow down on just that one thing then that's all we had the biggest yeah. thing that i love about strength training is that you don't have to do it every day um it's probably more beneficial not to do it every day actually um it only has to be done three to four times a week. It's very functional depending on, again, the plan that you're on. Um, and my biggest brain, my, my biggest thought process goes when into how I plan and program my own workouts is like thinking about picking up that 20 pound bag of rice, thinking about, um, you know, lifting and moving some furniture, moving this big mattress that I have to get underneath it. Like just thinking of real life situations, like, something like getting out of the car on one like you step out and you step out with your hip opening and then you put your pressure on a single leg and you try to twist like all these like little little mechanical movements and things that we don't think about because we're just living life Mm -hmm. um make a big difference if they're trained properly if, if they're healthy and you know allow you to go on through life living without without needing to think about it because you're already doing the quote-unquote behind the scenes work of keeping the mechanism the mechanics all functioned and checked up on and all that other stuff like fueled and um all those things like i just think of like the tin man almost like (laughs) you know just a little bit here a little here yeah. <laughs> and like, that's, that's what keeps me going to the gym when I don't feel like going. And I, bl- 90% of the time, I don't feel like doing it. I never feel like picking up this heavy stuff. And, and when you get stronger, it just gets heavier. And yeah. I'm just, it's just, <laughs> where does it stop? <laughs> yeah. And it won't, and it won't. And once I'm done with it, I'm very proud of mm-hmm. where I've come from, where I am. And just these little things, like it used to be written in a journal of like, this was my goal. And like now four years later, I'm, I'm able to say I can do a pull up. I can do two yeah. pull ups. I saw your, um, um, your dead, wasn't it a deadlift? I have, I've done a deadlift for yeah. pretty heavy and then a hip thrust really, really heavy. Okay. Yeah. Um, I saw biggest, that. I was yeah. quite impressed. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. My biggest thing, like getting into fitness was, 
of course, aesthetics, like everybody else. Um, but I, I explained my, you know, my deeper why that really kept me going, which is obviously just staying on earth, you know, mm-hmm. and I had my demons and those demons did not want me to stay on earth. And the gym was my escape. And that was a place that I could stay for three hours because it got me to address my demons in a different way it got me to and it sounds weird and I explained it to someone else recently but it got me to quote-unquote hurt my body in the healthiest way possible because my demons wanted so badly for me not to exist I wasn't good enough all all those cycling thoughts of depression and anxiety just meshed in together um that was really really bad when I finally started um facing my emotions that I had kept down for the Mm -hmm. longest time um and they came at me so so much it was definitely um combo of covid and stuff of just like having that time by myself to be by myself and to face myself and like I couldn't run away from it with a job that I used to do you couldn't just be busy and let it go yeah Yeah, so I was I think a lot of people suffered through all that you know with um during covid Yeah, you saw the path that they chose. You saw the people who chose to dwell on the feelings, get stuck in the the food, get stuck in the other ways to help themselves, quote unquote, or at least just to help the moment. And mm-hmm. then you saw the other people who took that time to put in effort into their own selves. And there's been amazing transformations through COVID and all done at home, all done through body weight things and through eating nutritionally with Instacart, like like they found a way when mm-hmm. and the world thought like there was going to be no more world you know yeah. so it's really truly how you approach a situation and what mindset you're in at that moment to take that next step depending on if you're just going to go this way or that way in the fork in the road and Honestly, one way can just teach you another lesson or mm-hmm. one way can teach you that step forward that you've always been like looking for. Um, and like you said, you, there was something that really got you to be disciplined. And it was that photo that like got yeah. you. Oh, man, that was it. It's mind boggling to see a photo of yourself and not even recognize yourself. <laughs> absolutely to think yeah to almost like fool yourself like you were fooled into thinking like that's not me that's not me like I don't see myself as that Mm -hmm. because when you look in the mirror that you've been looking at every day in the morning you slowly saw yourself change without actually seeing yourself until well you know and it's you know another thing that shows how much of it is mindset is the the anorexics you know they keep getting skinnier and skinnier and we can see it, but they look in the mirror and they still see the person that needs to be thinner. And, you know, they, they just keep going at it until they're not there anymore. And, you know, and so it's, uh, we can get very delusional about what changes are making. Like, I'm sure you do a lot of stuff like with pictures or whatever, but like with my clients, a lot of times, because some of the mindset stuff is hard to measure, you know? So I have a questionnaire that they fill out, you know, before we start working together so that they can put how their thoughts are and their feelings are about all these different subjects. And then after a certain period of time, we reevaluate it. And that's when they say, oh my gosh, I didn't realize that I had changed this much 
Because like you said, if you're looking at it every day and it becomes that's normal, this is normal, this is normal, because you can't remember that reflection from a while back. So it's yeah. it's really um, it's really important for people to be able to see, you know, this is where I started and this is how far I've come and I'm going to keep going, that kind of thing. So um, just real quick, um, I know you're a vegan coach. So do you co coach mostly on that part of the, of the, of the, the physical food, you know, is it all vegan or do you work with people um, on other types of eating as well? Yeah, so I teach um, a balanced lifestyle, a balanced guide, and I meet them where they are, and I just educate them where they want to be educated. Um, a lot of people that come to me are usually interested in understanding just veganism or vegetarianism a little bit more because of the things that they've heard about their meat supply and things like that. Um, but all I ever educate is quality, um, regardless of whether they're vegan or not. Like, I don't push it onto anybody. Um, if you're not vegan and that doesn't work with your lifestyle, whether it's for religious reasons, medical reasons, or just like you want a burger every once in a while, like that's fine. My, I just want to, you to understand the quality behind the meat that you're choosing so you can get the most out of the food you are providing for yourself. Um, and the biggest thing that comes with uh, veganism is like, everyone talks about protein. So I just always have that um, experience of being able to reach my protein and more so um, than many people who actually are eating meat. Um, right. A lot of the women that come to me and that I've worked with both in person and online, um, the main difficulty when it comes to nutrition is that they're not eating enough. Um, and that's kind of where we start when it comes to nutrition and finding how to balance it, how to create moderation with their schedule. Because um, when it comes to nutrition, they've been told all the things. They've been told intermittent fast. They've been told juicing is the way to go. Or they've been told that carbs before 6 p.m. or after 6 p.m. are bad. Like all these quote unquote rules that I want them to like crumble up and throw away <laughs> mm -hmm. because there's no rules honestly other than learning what your food is and what nutrients and vitamins that they provide you and how to create a meal that gives you the nutrients and vitamins that satiate you make you feel good comfort you and allow you to move on with your life because life isn't all about food. Right. <laughs> Honestly, that's to keep you alive and to keep you experiencing what else is out there. Although, like I always make sure to mention, like, yes, food has memories. It it could be grandma's um, secret recipe that like really brings up memories. And it could be you're finally going to this country and you're finally able to eat this cultural cuisine. Like, yes, food has all these amazing abilities to be that impactful as well. And is part of life experiences, which is why we need to learn how to balance and 
heal our metabolism to be able to experience those things without restricting ourselves or without going to Italy and not trying the pasta because you think carbs are bad. Like yeah. that yeah. is, or, or having your holiday gathering and then you're in the food coma later, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah because yeah. you weren't able to quote unquote restrict yourself to the point that it turns into the big red button situation. And then you overeat and binge. And then the, the event gets ruined because you feel like crap. Cause you, your stomach literally hurts and like you just got too crazy about it and like you blame like your addictive personality or I blame like oh well it was just one and then I couldn't do just one and like all these little things when we need to really take a step back and see where that actually came from because again it's not just about the food um so when it comes to teaching like nutrition and stuff it I can teach you how to be vegan. I can teach you how to um, create alternatives and um, essentially just focus on getting your protein, carb, fat, and vegetable in your main meals and kind of have a more protein-sourced snack every throughout the day that fits with your schedule and making sure you're eating enough. Um, and that's the big one. That's like, that's the thing that that starts with yo-yo dieting, we get so distracted by our jobs, by our families, by basically not putting ourselves first. And Mm -hmm. um, that in turn has you doing the easiest thing, which is not eating. You know, it's a lot easier to not eat than to prepare food and to do this and do that and then actually sit down and eat the food. It's so easy to just not eat. So why would we? But If you do that long enough, you are going to lower your metabolism to such a slow rate that you're going to be then told you have a broken metabolism and Mm -hmm. or a damaged metabolism and all these like little keywords that fly around marketing and stuff, um, making you think like you're stuck, like you're not you you can't get out of this, like you you might as well you know just like give up, um, and so it's unfortunate that it's not taught that something called reverse dieting literally called that because you're adding food back into your life back slowly so that you're not just like okay well now I get to eat cake like no we we, we focus on vitamins we focus on nutrients we focus on what what food actually is and not what points they add up to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, um, I hate, I hate all that. And, you know, um, I've done just about every diet known to man, you know, um, over my years. And the very first time I remember being concerned with my weight, I was in the third grade. Oh no. Yes. And I wasn't even fat, but my dad was always on a diet always. And so he had, um, he had these cans of Slender, which would now be SlimFest, I guess, um, oh. this pre-made stuff. And he had them in the refrigerator. And, you know, I'm I'm in the third grade, so I can read, but comprehending stuff, not so much. So I read on the back of the can that it said that if you drank one of these for your meal, that you would lose weight. So in my mind, I thought, oh, my gosh, if you drink one, you lose weight. That means if you drink more, you lose more weight. I drank three of them. Oh my. And I got in so much trouble because I had <laughs> drank my dad's diet stuff that he paid a lot of money Expensive, for and everything, right? right? Um, ah. that, but that's where I started. And like, I was not fat. It wasn't like I was an obese child or even overweight. I was not. 
but I think I was watching my dad and I just thought that was part of the process, you know? Um, I don't remember my mom ever dieting, but I remember my dad dieting. Isn't that weird? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is. But, you know, over the years I tried this diet and then this diet and I'd gain more weight. And so then it got to where I was, I was doing some of the stupid, stupidest stuff, trying to lose weight and restricting. I, I lost a lot of hair when I did Atkins, you know, there's so many things. And it's like, I, I tell my clients now, you know, um, you we're not going to restrict anything, but we're going to just for a temporary place, we're going to say, okay, we're not going to ingest these things so that we can start listening to our body. Cause right now our body's talking to us and it's so drugged up from all the chemicals and the sugars and all that stuff that it can't communicate. And so we're going to just get rid of those things long enough for our body to be able to communicate with us better. Um, mm -hmm. And then that enables them to actually feel when they're hungry, to be able to understand when they eat something and it makes their, all of a sudden it makes their head swim. Um, it, it, they can understand when their stomach hurts or whatever, where it's kind of coming from so that they can better listen to their body and do what it needs instead of what so many commercials and people have told us. And, and I'm sure you know this, but uh, and I'm all the time telling them, you know, the um, the the reason the scales exist was because that's how they weighed the cattle and everything. And some guy came up with this idea that he would um, that they would start weighing people and that way the insurance companies could get you to do certain things. Um, so if you look up the history of the um, of the bathroom scale, um, it's a very, very intriguing thing. And, you know, the sugary cereals at breakfast time that people tend to want to indulge in, you know, the um, the breakfast is the best, biggest, most important meal of the day. That was a marketing slogan, you know, yeah. for the, the cereal companies. And so I don't, you know, and it's over time, people have just taken things on as that's just the way things are and they don't question things. So. Um, I love that, you know, when you're talking about this stuff too, that it's helping people to, from where they are to see another way to be naturally healthy instead of looking for some magic pill or magic diet, a magic book. And let's face it, if the diets work, there wouldn't be a plethora of books. You know, there's like 10, 20,000 um, diet books, you know, if you look them up on, um, on Amazon. And so it's, it's, it's a huge thing that it's important to have coaches like you and coaches like me that help people to see where they would benefit to pivot or to change their thoughts and, and just do something different instead of constantly repeating the same behaviors over and over. Uh, Lord knows I've done it for a very long time. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely makes a difference when the coach themselves is teaching because they've experienced the same things that the client has experienced. Like I've been in those shoes. I've binged on a certain amount of food, like thinking that like, okay, like I, I've done all like the little trial and error experiments where it was like, 
okay, I'm just gonna let myself eat as much as I can of this certain thing to just get it out of my system, thinking that like a one day would be just that's all I needed. But I needed it the next day and then the next day. (laughs) And it took me three days until my body was like physically like horrible. And it took me those three days to understand that mentally I was upset. I was sad. I was depressed over something. Something I could have either not have been even conscious to, but my body kept the score and was feeling a certain way. Mm -hmm. And what my brain wanted to do was make my body feel the same way my brain was feeling. Very often, like the body itself wants homeostasis. It wants to all be synced. So if you're feeling sad, it's going to for sure going to reach for something that's going to make your belly ache and make you feel upset to match the sadness and to almost give you that excuse of like, well, I feel bad because this, this, and this. And like, it's not just that, but it's all these things. And like, I need to feel it tenfold because I'm not. And then the depressive things come into your head where like, I'm not good enough. So I have to feel bad or like those like little things that really spiral someone into making themselves do the wrong thing and sabot- self-sabotage is such a big thing. Um, and it's like an aware, like you're, you're aware that you're self-sabotaging. You're like, you see your arm reaching in there and it's like, you can't, you can't stop it in the moment. It's so interesting. And it's just to sympathize with my client. I've been there. Like I've been blacked out thinking, oh, I can do it. I can watch this TV show and like eat, like just stop when I want to stop and stuff. (laughs) Like I've tried those things. Like some days you can, some days you can't. And it's like, then choosing the words that you have for yourself after whatever the situation happened, whether you decided to actually stop and take a deep breath or whether you kind of tumbleweeded into it and still kept going. It's, it's, how you approach it afterwards as well that makes the big difference of are you going to step forward from the situation or are we going to allow it to be let's start on next monday thing yeah um, yeah which we know doesn't help i mean just to bring it back to what you mentioned about like marketing and stuff and you mentioned about um uh the cereal it brought up in my brain the dairy companies and how like the food pyramid was a whole thing and before the food pyramid pyramid was the choose my plate and adding that little dairy thing you don't need dairy honestly because they fortify the vitamin d that's going into that dairy Mm -hmm. vitamin d you get from broccoli and asparagus more than you do that that glass of milk that again is marketing for the dairy company that was so big that needed help so they got government help to put it on as a quote unquote, healthy part of a normal American diet. Mm-hmm. I mean, we all know there's a literal American standardized diet that is not healthy. And not that, at all. that explains why our our United States is, is the way it is and why yeah. you need personal trainings that are not connected to yeah. And and two, you have to look like there's constantly um, new studies coming up that say you need to eat this way or you need to eat this way or take this vitamin, take this and take that. And they have studies that back it all up. 
But the thing that people don't seem to pay attention to, well, I can't say all people, a lot of people don't pay attention to is who did the study, who yeah. is actually benefiting from this thing that they say you have to take, you yeah. know, um, this food that you need to eat, who is benefiting, you know, if the cattle industry is the one that put on the study um, to say that you need more meat, then you might want to rethink that that is all fact, you know, look at some other things and I think that it's doing your due diligence to anything you hear that about food and nutrition. It's to do your due diligence and just make sure that it's an unbiased study that you're looking at, um, because most of the time it is not. Absolutely. Yeah, there's been like a couple of quotes recently that were it just kind of told the truth where it was like food used to be our medicine. Um, like we used to look at at food as medicine, but now, you know, food is causing the issues, quote unquote food. It's there was another one where it was, um, you know, if you start eating healthy, that's like a gasp, you know, like, oh, my gosh, you're and quote unquote healthy. Like you're just eating whole foods and you're you're already in someone's mind like, oh, she must be on a diet. It's like no, I. I'm eating what the earth <laughs> has provided mm -hmm. me as a human. Like I meal prep and, and cook my food because that is the one thing that us human species can do that no other animal can do. And that's why we've developed all these smarts is because we're able to make this complex change in the food. Like all these little, little, little things that like, People are so focused on convenience, so focused on the fast-paced fashion of just go, go, go. And not even just that, though. Like, they're they're forgetful about themselves. Like, it's very interesting that, like, mainly mothers that I'm working with would, quote-unquote, die for their child, for their family, but they wouldn't put the effort in to live for them. And it hurts me so much because of my experience. I would mm -hmm. I look at these mothers like they are my own and I would never want my mom to be walking this path of, of pain and of like neglect. They neglect themselves for the fate of the, the family. And I'm like, you if you're the powerhouse of this family and you're not feeding yourself first, you're crumbling at the the foundation be and you're wondering why you have headaches and migraines and and all these like very stressful thoughts and like tension and tension in your shoulders and you know all these like little things and it's because you you won't even take time for yourself to take a deep breath and it's yeah. like well I don't have time for that and it's like what this is the problem. <laughs> yes. So. You know, I actually had one client, bless her, that when we first started working together, she was, you know, she's had a very stressful job. Her mother had moved in with her. She was having to take care of her mother. You know, there was a lot of stuff. And when we first started working together, she could not find five minutes to sit down and breathe. So I finally said, do you go to the bathroom? She said, yes. I said, okay, the next time you go to the bathroom, either you stand in front of the sink while you're washing your hands, you deep, deep breaths. When you're sitting on the toilet, I said, just take some deep breaths and relax, center yourself. I said, whatever time you can find. And I know you go to the bathroom. So you've already told me. So every single time you go to the bathroom, you have to do this. And I worked with her for several months and 
she was even saying when we were kind of finishing up, you know, of how she was amazed. Now she actually takes trips and goes and does trips by herself so that she can just be with herself and enjoy food and enjoy her own company. And in the beginning, she couldn't even find five minutes, you know, and, you know, I think that especially moms tend to do that because, you know, there's this standard of you have to be the super mom, you have to work this full-time job and you have to take care of the kids and it all becomes your thing. You know, I suffered from that when, you know, when my kids were little, especially after their dad died, um, it was like, you know, then it was all me, you know, and there was so many times that for me, I felt like I couldn't take time. But one of the things that's interesting, when I go back and look at pictures of me over the years, you can tell when I was more stressed because my weight was up and then I could, I could handle it for a little bit and it'd come back down. But then, you know, I could even almost look when the scales started going back up, what stressful situation was going on that I just couldn't control it anymore. And so it's, it's prevalent um, for women, especially because they want to have this perfect look and they, you know, they want yeah, to on top of it. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it's just mind boggling the, the putting perfection themselves. things that we yeah. put ourselves under. Yeah. yeah. Putting themselves in like a six week challenge, putting themselves in a 5k 13 mile, like <laughs> something they've never done before, yeah. but they're like, this is the thing. This is what's going to do it. I'm going to change everything right here, right now. It's like, no, that's not how we approach this. Yeah. Because that is not going to help you. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I will say it's just, it's just funny when I look back on that time in my life, but at that time it was like, I didn't there. I didn't know that there was a health coaching existed. You know, yes. I didn't know there was somebody that you could get to help you to know how to eat and help you to understand your body and how to utilize your body to make it healthier. I didn't know that existed. So the only thing I could think of was what can I do to make sure that I do this every friggin' day? Yeah. And and why I'd never even thought of a marathon before. So when that ad popped up, it was like, okay, that sounds yeah. doable. Yeah. yeah. That's <laughs> so months funny away. That I'm sure I'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you did it. And that shows like, yeah, I even have a little metal. Yes. That's great. <laughs> yeah. And it, it's impacted you in your journey so much. Yeah. Yeah. And that's awesome. Yeah. Well, what I want to ask you, because we're we're over time. This has been amazing. Oh, I'm glad. I'm, I'm sorry to take you so much time, but oh no, no, no. It's just it's when we when I put it out there, it's a long thing to, for people to listen to. That's the only reason. So I might end up seeing if I can split it up. But if not, you know, it's worth the long listen. So, um, but what I want to ask you is. As you're thinking about all these things we've talked about from your mom and your dad and your journey through high school and college and and coming to where you are today, mm -hmm. when you think about all of that, if we were to come to the end of your life, what do you want people to have to say about you? What do you want your legacy? What do you want people to feel about you and your existence here for them? Good question. I'm going to take a moment to think on it. My pleasure. Go ahead. 
I think that the, the thing that I want people to remember me by, um, and what I've been able to like leave behind, um, would probably be just my focus on getting better at like being yourself 1% at a time, like very incrementally, very slowly, very achievable way where the information that I've been able to provide that, that would help somebody else's life take that step forward makes it feel like life is like manageable or life is fun and like being healthy doesn't mean discipline or, or, or doesn't mean it in such a negative way. It doesn't mean you can't do the fun things that you want it to, that you want to do. I want health to like equal the experience of life, like the ability to experience life. Um, and personally, like for people to remember me as someone who just lived for life lived to just be because I am such a I so badly just want to be like an in the moment person I know a lot of our work and just society you know is moving so quickly you're always like a week or so ahead in your plans and little things like that um, but I make sure in my plans that I take like the time to go into nature and to like be in the woods or be by a beach or be by something natural, usually the woods and, and river and such. And just I love to just sit and just like watch the birds and watch life happen around me. That is just so natural and so without complications. Um, and without like the the little the bad things <laughs> the 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 little negativities of what society has put people in boxes for and stuff i want other people to understand like they can be themselves naturally easily and not feel unfiltered unfiltered absolutely <laughs> yeah. and feel good enough in everything that they're doing right then right that right right at that moment and never feeling like but if I had this if I had that if I did that or if I, I shouldn't have done that in the past like all these like little things that really eat away at us um to be able to just huh I have a roof over my head like the gratitude of it all mm -hmm. um, I think gratitude has got me out of my very angry negative mindset um and has opened me up to so many opportunities that I was holding myself back on because I was stuck in my quote-unquote reality which at the moment my reality wasn't the most fun and I kept reliving it because I kept seeing it as it was and not as it what it could have been and I think that mental shift has helped me 
open up opportunities in my life. And I know it can open up opportunities in other people's lives by just trying, by just like just observing it from a different perspective. You don't even have to act on something like you can just be there and just look like um, because I live with my social anxiety and my mix because uh, again these little things and it never fully leave you know you just develop better coping mechanisms and they get quiet um but every once in a while they poke you so like my mix of depression and anxiety that I've lived with and have been able to come off of like um medication for it and and things that have calmed me down and needed in the past to again trial and error to see if that was something I needed and at the moment it was because it was really bad but then I was able to find natural um opportunities to help me realize like it's so up in here and it's also what's up in here is the ability to see something better um and it was uh a tussle <laughs> between those two thoughts of it's either I feel good enough or I don't feel good enough. And it's like, it's that quick shift of one word that can really change my feelings of myself right now. Um, and just like learning and um, again, taking the step back of looking at my past and knowing that like I didn't have my parents probably weren't taught that either. You know, they were taught my mom was the oldest of four in an Irish Catholic family. You you do what you got to do to survive in that family um, and you be the perfect one and you be on time for everything and you blah, 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 blah. Like that was the things that she had to deal with. And like, so knowing that she passed it down in a sense, in a way. And like we, as me and my brother didn't have and a lot of people until like probably now generationally are like getting that like learning to cope with your emotions in a a little bit better of a way than go to your room and figure it out because mm -hmm. those things never helped <laughs> mm -hmm. um so coming into it at a later stage in my life of just taking the deep breath of just bring it back to gratitude bring it back to right here right now bring it back to not putting my worth to what's in my bank account or my worth to what my body looks like or what somebody else says my body looks like. Um, all these very, very generational beliefs um, that have just been passed down and have been marketed and kept people in their box so that they could be controlled and easily manipulated to be a consuming person like it all is so encompassing that when I'm in nature <laughs> and sitting on a rock and looking at a tree I don't feel that pressure and I want other people to not feel that pressure so to answer your thing in such a long <laughs> circle of life way <laughs> gratitude taking a deep breath and just you're good enough with who you are right here right now and if you feel like you want to be someone better there's nothing stopping you it's just your next opportunity to say something better and to approach something else with a better perspective is is right next to you, you know, is it's right ahead of you. It's just it's just the direction you decide to go in. Um, 
And then being very kind and self-loving to yourself because you can't achieve these amazing dreams of this gold physique and, you know, looking like this person or whatever, if you truly don't like the person you're trying to change because you, you, yourself, you're, you'll self-sabotage yourself because you don't like yourself. So it's, it's finding that deep inner work to go inside, go like coincide with your outer work. Um, Cause a big part of my program is self-love and mindset because it, it just, you can't separate those things. Mm-hmm. Um, There's a saying that I hear all the time and it is, we can't out um, perform our self-image. Yeah. That's a great quote. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You'll, you'll always see the person that could have done better, you know? Yeah. Yep. Well, thank you so much for being here today. And I have so enjoyed this. It's been very enlightening. Um, so um, real quick, I want to tell everybody that's listening or watching to make sure that they like, subscribe, um, comment, all those things. And then I want to leave you with this. I've started putting this on the end quote all the time. So the best way to predict the future is to create it. So what I'm asking you today is what are you creating? And I'll leave you with that.